And I just want to share this morning uh, some things on my heart the Lord put concerning some who are distressed. Anyone been distressed this year a little bit, just a little bit on occasion? We, yeah, I know. It's just in and out. I'll shout, Ben. It's okay. Yeah. There's some of these other mics over here. I can shout towards those, right? All right. Um, some, we've had some distressful situations, and I was thinking of a story that I shared with some friends recently. In the year 2000, I was working for AT&T, and still work for AT&T. It's been a long time. But uh, I was single at the time, and I had heard that our company was in need of some people to go do some testing in other parts of the world. And so they were looking for volunteers. And so I, I said, hey, what a great opportunity. I'll do that. You guys have seen, maybe you guys, I'm old enough to remember, maybe some of you are too, the uh, Can You Hear Me Now commercials. That was a different company. Um, but I had to do, I, 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 this was basically signing up for a Can You Hear Me Now tour in some part of the world. So they had many different opportunities, and, and finally it came down that we went through all these various itineraries, and it came down to Africa, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. And so I laid down some conditions. I said, yeah, I'll do a trip if you let me finish in Seychelles. Anyone know where Seychelles is? It's a resort island. So I said, I'll do this on that condition. I, I want to end in a resort island. Uh, unfortunately, I was single, and they put me in a honeymoon resort, so that was kind of weird. But um. But thankfully, we have Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris Ludwig in Africa, and so he has friends in almost every nation in Africa. He heard I was going on this trip, and so he made arrangements for certain people to meet me, and I met this wonderful man of God named Carvin Isaacs in the country of Namibia. And so he comes to the airport, he picks me up, and, so, and just a great man of God. His, he was an entrepreneur, owned his own business, and so he's, he's driving me into uh, downtown Vindhoek, which is the big city there in Namibia. And we're just getting to know each other, sharing, sharing things. And um, we get into the middle of the city. And he literally stops the car. Oh, here we go. Try that one. Option two. All right. He stops the car and he says, uh, hey, can you go park this for me? And, and then I have a meeting. And then he jumps out. Now, I'm in, I'm in a foreign city with traffic signs I can't read. They drive on the opposite side of the road, and it's a stick ship. And, and he says, just go park it for me. And he, I'm, he's gone. I'm like, what? And all of a sudden, horns are going off. Horns are going off behind me, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. God help me. I'm praying in tongues. Come on. I'm in distress in this moment. No, it's not 2020 distress, but it was distress for that time. And so I, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, Lord, help me. I'm trying to shift right, I'm, and I can't read the signs, hoping I don't turn into oncoming traffic accidentally, navigating, trying to navigate my way through this foreign city to a parking spot. And I eventually, after about 20 minutes, found a parking spot on the other side of town. And then had to walk my way back to Carvin, and we eventually found, figured it out. Thank God for his GPS. It was pre-GPS, folks. There was no Google 
in Venhook in 2000. Let me just tell you that. So, um, but I found my way there, and I, I think there's, I think we can maybe relate to this this year. We're in places we've, we've we're in experiences this year that we've never been to. They're foreign to us. Anyone? Uh, we use the word that many times this year, unprecedented. Uh, you've probably heard that way too many times, but that's where we are. We're in unprecedented times. And some of us are trying to navigate our lives through this craziness this year and figure out where we're going. Um, and this has an effect, and at least many of us distressed. And I just felt as I was praying last night that there were many distressed. I felt the heaviness. But you know what? Here's, here's the beautiful thing. The Bible says that he gives us the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So as we came into this corporate atmosphere this morning, we began to worship and we began to praise God. How many know those garments? I got a change of clothes. He began to give me the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So there's that. Um, And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to be in God's house. And by the way, we're going to continue to be in God's house. I guess the regulation says we can't sing, but I can't help it. We got to sing. Come on. We're going to sing because the Bible says if we don't sing that the rocks are going to cry out. I don't know if the rocks can spread COVID, but we're going to cry out in this place. Amen. So, all right. It's hard. Yeah. Oh, good one, Sam. I love you, brother. All right. All right. How many are in your Bibles? First Samuel chapter 30. All right. We'll see where the Lord takes us this morning. Uh, And Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we open our hearts to receive all that you have. God, we thank you that your word uh, transforms us. God, we are transformed. We are are transformed from glory to glory, Lord, as your word is working in our hearts. Father, we thank you that the seed of your word will go forth this morning. It will accomplish what you desire. It will succeed in the matter for which you sent it, God. We receive it. We believe it. In Jesus' name, everybody said All right, we're going to read about David. How many like David? I love David. So the Bible says about David that he was a man after God's heart, but he's also a flawed man. But we see the redemptive nature of God in David's life. We see God rescuing him. We see God forgiving him, restoring him. And God moving in and through his life. We see the intimacy of relationship that is available to us as believers in Jesus Christ. We read the Psalms and he's just so raw about his experiences and what he went through and distresses, various distresses he faced. And then yet he comes to this place of faith and praise by the end of almost every Psalm. And so let's read from his life. Not one of his brightest moments, but it turns for him. Uh, Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had made a raid on Negev and on Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, without killing anyone, and carried them off and went their way. Pretty rough. It's kind of like the news cycles today. Come on. There's fire. There's chaos. There's kidnappings. I mean, you name it. 
right? We, we turn on the news today. We don't know what we're going to hear. But here's the news that David and his men come back to upon returning to this city of Ziklag. And so understanding what, what their situation, how did David get to this place? And also what was this place and what was the significance of it? Uh, it's a town in Negev or south country of Judah in the possession of the Philistines when David came. So he's in enemy territory. He had fled to Gath from Ziph with all his followers. Achish, the king, assigned him Ziklag as a place of residence. So this is his new home in enemy territory. There he dwelt for over a year and four months. And he comes back with his men. He comes to this place of destruction. They had been up north trying to join with the Philistine army their own, their own, while they were up north, the opportunistic Amalekites came in and destroyed the city with fire, took their families, took their goods. There was nothing left. It's, it's absolute devastation. And that's what they're facing. And so everything burned to the ground. Now, it's good to understand, why is David in Ziklag? Why is he in this situation? Why is he in enemy territory? Well, we go back to... 1 Samuel 27.1, and it says, Then David said to himself, there it is. Then David said to himself, how many talk to yourself a little bit? Come on. We're going to talk about talking to yourself. All right. Now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines. Saul then will despair of searching for me anymore in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. Lots of I wills. Lots of I wills, but with no, no asking God what he wills. Are you with me? But if you can just be sympathetic for a moment, David's had it rough. I mean, he's been running from Saul for quite a while. And on numerous occasions has these encounters with Saul, had opportunities to take him out. He did not because he said, I will not touch God's anointed. And yet he was anointed to be king by Samuel the prophet. It had already been declared and determined and purposed. But yet Saul was still king, and as he was king, David was going to honor the king and not touch God's anointed. But he got weary of running, of hiding. And he said, I'm going to go into the, into the Philistine territory and hide because surely he will not follow me there. But I want you to see the self-determination, his determination to go where he wanted to go. And we can understand why, but we also understand it had consequences. And, you know, there's many times in our lives, and maybe you felt a few times this year like running. Like moving to another state, maybe. I don't know. Anyone? But... There's times when you feel like that. You just want to take things into your own hands and go away from the pressure, away from the situation. So we can understand, we can empathize with David's situation. Remember, he's, he's been the hero. I mean, they would say about Saul, he's slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. He was celebrated. He was a hero in his nation, and he had become a fugitive. And even worse now, he's in enemy territory. So David in Philistine, in Philistine looks like Christians who are running into the world to get away from things. Sometimes we want to run. 
A few of us have ran before, right, Pastor John? We've ran before. I can relate. I ran. Some of you have run before from the purpose and the will of God. And, and so now having found his place in Philistine, him and his men return to find this place devastated. Now, we want to escape the distress. We are tempted to move, from, move into a place of comfort or escape from, what, from the pressure. So we understand that. But keep reading on in 1 Samuel 30, verses 3 through 6. It says, When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Now David's two wives have been taken captive, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. Moreover, David was greatly distressed. Let me say greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. So to make matters worse, his own men, mighty men of valor, are now talking about stoning him. He's literally got no one to turn to. And then it says, here's how David responds. He was greatly distressed because the people were spoke of stoning him, for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. And I want to say this this morning, with all we've been through and all the situations and circumstances you've maybe faced, it's a temptation to become embittered, to try to look for somebody to blame for your circumstance. And if we're honest... David could own this because he's the one who led them here. So he's, they're embittered at him, and perhaps he's even feeling a sense of responsibility for this situation. Now, everyone in America is looking for somebody to blame for what's going on in their life. And sometimes we can do that as Christian, but I can tell you, when we come into trials and tribulations, which Jesus said you would have in this world... We have two outcomes. There's bitter or better. You can come through better. God can take what was meant for harm and turn it for your good. Come on, somebody. How many believe that this morning? God can take that situation that looked awful, devastation, and he can turn it for good, believe it or not. So you can get bitter or you can get better. His men were getting bitter, and so he's stuck and he's got one answer. He says, each one of him, because of his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And that's really what I want to focus on this morning. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Here he is in a lost city. He's lost everything. He felt responsible, literally no one to go to. He doesn't turn to encourage the men. He doesn't look to the... There is another group of men who had come to him from Manasseh who were mighty warriors. Their wives and their children were not involved in this. He could have easily been strengthened by them. But he didn't turn to the arm of man. He turned to his God. Even in what you could say was maybe a backslidden state, he turned to his God. There are situations in life... 
where there's no one else to turn to, it's only Jesus. He's the only one who can save you from that situation. And even this morning, I want to encourage you saints, even this morning, if you're in a situation in a hot mess and you believe it's my fault I'm in this situation, he'll even save you from that. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger. And, he, and the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He will save you. He will deliver. Psalm 107, 8, 6 says this, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them, somebody say, from all of their distresses. Out of their distresses. So I don't know what you're facing this morning, but the encouragement is, is you can be strengthened in the Lord. And this is a discipline. This is a response mechanism, a muscle you need to build in your life on how you respond to life's curveballs. Am I going to get bitter? Am I going to look to man to help me? Or am I going to look to God in every situation? I just got the report from the doctor. How am I going to respond right now? I just got a report about this situation in my life. How am I going to respond right now? Strengthen yourself in the Lord. He, the other word in the NKGV says this, he was encouraged. I'm going to need some encouragement this morning, amen? The place of being distressed is a place that can turn into defeat and despair. It's a place... And despair is literally to lose heart, to give up, to completely give up. We were in corporate prayer two and a half weeks ago on a Sunday night here. And I kept hearing this over and over and over again. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. And then in comes Pastor Steve with a right on time message. And he says, remove the quit. Don't lose heart. So the temptation right now, let me just tell you, I would love to say things are going to get better. I would love to say that, but I'd be lying to you. I honestly don't believe that, but I believe you can get better. I believe you can get better. I believe you can come out better no matter what this, what comes ahead. So we need to build this response, this muscle in our life to strengthen ourselves in the Lord when situations come. You see, when despair comes, our faith is stymied. God moves through people, but that happens through faith. Are you with me this morning? Our faith in believing his word and believing his character, believing who he is, releases the move of God. But when despair sets in, it's like blockage. So David says in Psalm 27 at the end of that passage, he says, I would have despaired. Come on. I would have despaired had I not believed I would see what? The goodness of God in the land of the living. Key word, believes, releases God's goodness. Come on. Faith releases God's goodness into that bad situation. How did he respond? 
Can you just picture this, David with his harp? Bible says that he would play for Saul because Paul, Saul was distressed with a spirit. And the only relief he could get was when David would come in and worship on that harp. So the Bible doesn't say exactly what he did, but we can imagine for a moment, if you will, with me, church, maybe he just went to a solitary place with that harp and began to just worship God. Maybe he just began to recite those psalms. To enter into God's presence. And I can tell you, they likely weren't songs of lament or sadness. Come on. But rather songs of praise magnifying God over his circumstance. Because he says in Psalm 34, Oh, won't you come magnify the Lord with me? Let us exalt his name together. Magnify the Lord. Why do we magnify the Lord? Because we tend to, if we don't, we'll magnify our situation. But if you'll magnify God, that situation doesn't look so hard. Come magnify. So he, I can imagine he's over there praising and worshiping the Lord and magnifying his name and strengthening himself in a place of praise and worship. You see, you need to have a place in your life of praise and worship. Praise and worship is not just something we do with musicians helping us and facilitating on a Sunday morning. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. He maybe didn't feel, come on, he didn't feel like singing or praising. I don't think you heard me on that. He didn't feel like singing or praising. That's why it's called the sacrifice of praise. Because the circumstances tell you to get down and out, but God's saying, praise me even in that. I'm not praising him for all things. I'm praising him in all things. He's not saying, God, thank you for burning Ziklag. No. But I'm praising you, God, that you're still good, even though Ziklag is burned and everything is chaos. I'm praising him in it. Amen. He could have been tempted to go elsewhere for his strength. I ask you this morning, where do we go for our strength in these times? Where do we go for our refuge? Turn with me to Psalm 42, and we get a picture of how to deal with distress in our life. Sam, Pastor Sam quoted, I promise you he didn't know my message this morning, but we're just going to repeat it. I don't know about you, but I got to repeat some things over and over and over again. For the choir director, a masculine of the sons of Korah. Come on, choir. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts. For God, for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Anyone been there? While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Where is your God? I have a feeling the world's, some, some are saying that right now. Where is your God? In the midst of all this, where is he? What, how can you explain all this stuff that's going on? Where is he? Why would he go? 
You know, while this psalm is attributed to the sons of Korah, it sounds a whole lot like Psalm 63, which David wrote. So either way, it's applicable in times of distress. Amen? It says number, so number one, four things I want to share with you this morning about dealing with times of distress. Acknowledge our need for him. Number one. That's so simple, but it's so hard sometimes. How many are fix-it people? Man, especially, I'm talking to some men this morning, come on. Especially when you messed it up. No, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. I made this mess. I'm going to own it, right? We've got this sense of owning up to it. Maybe some of you are like, no, I don't feel that at all. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> we'll talk. Well, that's, we'll have another altar call for that. All right. But we want to fix it. I messed this up. I'm going to fix it. No, no. God's saying, no, no, I want to help you. It's like when your kid begins to get that streak of independence and they haven't quite figured things out yet. And you're watching them do this thing. And you're going, hmm, I just want to help you right now. I so wish you'd let me help you right now because it's going to be a hot mess when you, oh. Would you just let me help you right now? Let me just, I'm here. Yet, if you help them, you're going to rob them of the learning experience. And yet, you're also being gracious and waiting to be invited into it. And that's the way the Lord is. He's like, I could help you with this, hot man. I could help you. If you'll just acknowledge that I'm here. Acknowledge me. And the word acknowledge in the Hebrew really speaks of an intimate knowing. Intimate knowing him. And that's what, that's where life eternal is, is in knowing him. This is eternal life that we might know him. The only true God and Jesus Christ, his son. This is eternal life, says in John 17, 3. That's eternal life, to know him. So as I acknowledge him, but I also want to see that sometimes the distress, God can use the distress to bring you to a place of desperation and hunger and thirst for him. No, he wasn't the author of it. Come on. But he can use it in your life to recognize once again, man, I have tried to do this on my own. I've been in self-drive mode. And I need you, Jesus. What if the outcome of this crazy year that we're in is there's some people who get desperate for him? And acknowledge him. Father, I need you. Father, I need you. Come. That's number one. Let's read on. Verse 4 of Psalm 42. These things I remember. I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God. With the voice of joy and thanksgiving. A multitude keeping festival. Festival. I want you to look at the key word there. Number two is remember. You see, we got a lot of things to remember. Some of us have uh, short-term memory loss. <laughs> or others of us have selective memory loss. Come on. Husbands, I'm going to go with you again. 
Your wife said, uh, did you do that thing yet? I don't, what thing? What thing? What are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? You know, I asked you like three times. Okay. I think I just heard it, but I didn't hear it. Are you with me? Come on. There's some things God's like, I'm trying to talk to you. And you're like, I didn't hear that. That wasn't the Lord. Jesus name. But remember how many times. So David comes to a place. And I'm sure to strengthen himself, he was reminding himself of God's goodness of God's faithfulness, of God's calling, of God's purpose in his life. And you see, when you're in that place of distress, you need to take a step back and remind yourself of who God is, his character, his love for you, his purpose and plan in your life. We get a short-term mindset. I need to get out of this situation. This is not a good thing. But then we have to remember that God's eternal and he's above it all and that he remains the same. And what he's spoken over your life hasn't changed. Psalm 34, eight, 4 through 8, this is David's psalm. He says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me. Here's the, one of my favorite words in the Bible. From all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried. This poor man cried. Come on. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Amen? How many times had God delivered David? Let's talk about the lion, the bear, Goliath. God had never failed him. From the Saul who was pursuing him in his life, God had never failed him. He had delivered him every time. From his enemies, time and time again, David was victorious because of God's faithfulness. He recounted, and there's a moment where we need to just take a moment and just recount all of God's goodness and faithfulness in our life. Where he delivered you. He set you free. He answered those prayers. Come on. Keep a record Remember what God has done in your life. The reason the children of Israel died in the wilderness. One generation died because they did not remember the works of the Lord. The deeds of the Lord. And so there can be deathly consequences when we forget to remind ourselves of what God's done. Amen? Psalm 25, 6 says this. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been from of old. He likely remembered God's mercy, his compassion over the years, God's unfailing love, the communion he had with the Lord. Come on. In those moments where he doesn't feel near, you've got to remind yourself that he is near. You've got to remind yourself that he still loves you, that he's not left you, he's not forsaken you, he's not left you alone. He's with you. He likely reminded himself of when Samuel the prophet had come and anointed and poured oil over him to be king of Israel. It hasn't been accomplished yet. How many know there's some things in your life God's got over you that have not yet been accomplished? And you need to remember what God's called you to be and what God's called you to do. 
in that moment. Psalm 20, verse 6 through, 6 through 9, this passage says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with saving grace, strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. Come on. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. Save, O Lord, may the king answer us in the day we call. How many know he answers in the day we call? David could take comfort in the truth that God's destiny and purpose of his life still remained. Even in spite of his wonderings. Man, I experienced this in my own life. The call and the gifts of God in my life that I ran from. I had to have my own ziklag moment of coming to that place of devastation because the Bible says this wages of sin is death. Coming to that place where all is lost and you, just like the prodigal son who came to his senses in that moment in the pigsty. And you realize, man, God, there's still, uh, there's still the Father's house. I can come back to the Father's house. He's still got a purpose for me. He's still got a destiny for me. He's still got a calling in my life. He hasn't given up on me, amen? The same is true for us. Psalm 42, 5, read this. Why are you in despair? Here's what Pastor Sam quoted earlier. We're going to quote it again. Oh, my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Number three is talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. Some of you think this is weird, but people talk to themselves all the time. They may have a verbal conversation, but they may, it may not be verbal, but they're having a talk within themselves. Come on, you have those conversations. Reasoning within yourselves. Well, this is how it is. Yeah, I think this. And you may not verbalize it. But sometimes to overcome the inward conversation, we got to have an outward conversation. we got to speak life into that situation. And so he says, Oh, my soul, why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. Now listen to this. Spurgeon says this. Some of the best talks in the world are those which a man has with himself. He who speaks to everybody except himself is a great fool. Now listen, it was David's self-talk that got him into this situation. He's talking, he says, I will go to the Philistines. He had that conversation. So now he needs to start a new conversation. Hope in God, for I will yet praise him. For, the, for his help. Now, I want you to understand something about praise. You can praise on either side of the Red Sea. Remember, the children of Israel praised when they got to the other side, and rightfully so. But let me tell you what, they could have just as easily praised before they crossed because they had a promise. Praise doesn't have to wait for the result to change. Are you with me this morning? 
Praise doesn't have to wait. I can praise him before the circumstances haven't changed. I can praise him for what his word says. I can praise him for the promise that is still coming of his help. Praise builds faith. Come on. Praise builds faith. As you praise and you declare who God is and you tell your soul to do it and you have that conversation with your navel. Praise Him. Quit your belly aching. Quit your complaining. Quit your griping. Quit your distressing and praise Him. I'm telling you, you will build this in your life. You will experience overcoming faith and joy. Come on. You do not have to be dictated by your circumstances. Your disposition does not have to be dictated by your circumstances. You can direct your heart. Some of us say, well, I'm, my heart, I'm just going with where my heart's going. No, stop that. Stop that. Jeremiah says your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Yes, it's been changed. Yes, you have a new direction and compass in your life. But there's still that party that wants to do its own thing, just like David did. So Proverbs 23, 18, 19, I'm, I'm hurrying. Surely there is a future and hope will not be cut off. Can you say that this morning? Surely there's a future and hope will not be cut off. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who wins Congress. Surely there is a future and hope will not be cut off. I mean, I do care about those things. I just, but my hope and future aren't based on them. Listen, my son, and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Direct your heart in the way. You got to tell your heart. No, we're going this way. You're going to praise him. I know you don't feel like it, but you're going to praise him. All right, got quiet. All right, 1 Samuel 37 through 8 says, Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, I'm going to say it. I'm going to speak in tongues. Shundai, Ahimelech, please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he said to them, him, Pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. Surely there's a hope. Surely there's a future. Inquire. Number four, inquire of the Lord. Why don't we ask him? How are you doing, Lord? Yes. How are you, Lord? You need to have that kind of conversation. How are you today? What's on your heart today, Jesus? David inquired of the Lord, knowing confident, knowing confident that God would answer. Listen, God will answer, but there's a faith aspect. Look at James 1, 5 through 6. But if any, somebody say any, any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all. I love this. This is how God gives. Are you, are you with me? Generously and without reproach. Generously and without reproach. He gives to you. But there's a condition for receiving this. But he says, it will be given to him, but in verse 6, but he must ask in faith. 
without any doubting. So when you inquire of the Lord, when you ask of the Lord, you ask in faith without any doubt, knowing he will answer, believing he will answer, but being willing, are you with me? Listen to this part, to wait for it. To wait for it. David had 600 burly men. He could have easily taken matters into his own hands. He's angry. David was not kind to his enemies, let's just be honest. He could have taken those 600 men and gone after those Amalekites on his own. But he waited for the Lord's answer. So what is it you're waiting for? Are you waiting for God to speak into your situation before you move out? Are you waiting for him to speak before you decide and determine what you will do? And if you ask in faith, know he'll give you what you need. Wisdom is the how. Do you understand that? Knowledge is the what. Understanding is the why. But wisdom is the how. And fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. How you do it matters. How you do it matters. See, some of us, if God just gave us the plans and the purposes and a detailed plan, we would just go do it our way. I don't remember that song, but I did it my way. You know that song? You heard that song? Yeah. The Bible has something to say about that. There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. I did it my way. Some of you are Burger King Christians. I want it my way. God says, no, no, that's not how it works. <clears throat> the distinction between the disciple and the crowd is I'm serving God on his terms, not my terms. On his terms, not my terms. Because the one who doubts will be like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. God wants to bring you into a stable place this morning over the waves and the winds and the storms of circumstance. And direct your sails. Are you with me this morning? Finally, we'll skip ahead and I'm going to close. 1 Samuel 30, 17, 18, the result. <laughs> I said, David, once he got the green light, come on, he pursued. Look, I believe Christians don't need to stay on the defensive. Christian, I'm going to say it again. Christians don't need to be on the defensive. He told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Wherever your foot shall tread, I have given it to you. I have given it to you. And so when you've got God's direction, you've got his word, you've got his backing, and you know he's gone before you, you don't wait, you pursue, and you go on the offensive. And you go to the enemy's camp, and you take back what he stole from you. You take back what he stole from others. You take those souls who are dying and in darkness and you take them out of the kingdom of darkness and you bring them into this kingdom of light. Come on. He says, pursue. 
and you will get it all back. He didn't just get it all back. He got more. David slaughtered them from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. He eventually got them too. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives. I'm just going to take, make this side note. Do you remember 1 Samuel chapter 15? The prophet Samuel tells Saul, the king, says, go kill all of the Amalekites, for their iniquity is full. And he comes back, and he has the king, and apparently he had some others, because we're all now later chronologically, and there's still Amalekites around. See, sometimes those sins and things we don't deal with come back. Come back. God said, kill it, destroy it, get rid of it. No offspring in your life. No Amalekite offspring in your life. But here they were, still wreaking havoc because of the disobedience. And Samuel tells Saul, God desires obedience more than sacrifice. See, the flesh always wants to, no, I, I took care of most of it. I'm not doing that thing anymore. But that sin, the root of it's not dealt with. And it comes back. And you end up with a ziklag. Are you with me? A burned up, devastated part of your life because that sin was not dealt with. So what is it? Thanks be to God, come on, who always leads us in victory through Christ. Let's have the worship team come, if you will. David and his men recovered all. It didn't come without a struggle. You see, there was 200 men when they got to the river who were exhausted. They were exhausted. And they couldn't go with David. David being the righteous man that he was, when the men came back, they brought the spoil back. The other men complained, saying, no, they, those 200 men don't deserve it. David said, no, they do. I feel like there's some here this morning saying, I hear you, pastor, but I'm exhausted. I hear you saying, pursue. I hear the word of the Lord, but I'm exhausted. And I believe the Holy Spirit's coming this morning to breathe fresh upon you, fresh strength, fresh vision, fresh direction. They come across an Egyptian. They say, who are you? He says, I'm an Egyptian slave of the Amalekites and they left me here. And that Egyptian slave leads them to the camp of the Amalekites, and that's what enabled them to get the victory. See, God will direct us. God will bring people in our path to help us fulfill his purpose and plan. Will you just stand with me for a moment this morning as we close? But
So I feel like he's aligning some people with his purpose, plan, and that. Those who will pursue. God will bring strength. God will bring the right people in your path to direct you to where he intends for you to go. And he says there's full recovery. Some of you have seen a devastated situation in your life. It's hopeless. It's despair. You've, your tears have been your food day and night. But the Lord says, I am still for you. I'm still with you. And I will lead you. Pursue my purpose. Pursue my plan. See, the moment David... The moment he decided and determined, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord, the whole situation began to pivot. The whole situation began to pivot and began to align with the purpose of heaven because little did he know that shortly after the recovery of Ziklag would come the death of Saul. Little did he know that God was moving upon the hearts of the tribes of Israel to be ready to receive him as king in Hebron. The plan and purpose of God was restored in that moment. Delayed but not denied. And I believe God is realigning some of your lives this morning to his plan and his purpose that he put in your heart, maybe even years ago. There's someone, I hear this right, there's someone here this morning and you have a cry in your heart for missions. Oh God. And you're looking at the present circumstances and you're looking at the restrictions and everything that's in front of you. And you're saying, how is this possible? Say, God says pursue. God says pursue. Some of you, there's a ministry, there's a thing that God's been leading you into. And all you see is devastation in front of you. But God says pursue. Pursue. He turns the desolate places into the place of rivers in the wilderness. He brings rivers, streams in the wilderness. That's the God we serve. That's the God we served. He's our help in time of trouble. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but if you're in distress, know that God is here. Strengthen yourself in Him, He says. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. For the seasons that are coming, for the seasons that are coming, church, 
God says, I need you to build this muscle in your life. How we respond, become a first responder. And my first response to the circumstance, to the situation, is to turn and strengthen myself in the Lord. To turn to Him. To be reminded of His goodness. To be reminded of His loving kindness, His mercies that are new every morning. To be reminded of all He's done. That He's taken my life out of the miry clay and He's set my feet upon a rock. That He's delivered me. He's transferred me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That I am a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy nation, called and possessed by Him for His purpose. That I might proclaim the praises of Him who called me out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's who I am. And my circumstance may look dark. My situation may look like devastation, but God is still on the throne and God still has a plan and God still has a hope and God still has a future. Don't lose heart. Oh, Jesus. Let's just lift our hands to him. Thank you that you strength. You bring fresh strength this morning. You bring fresh strength this morning. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us, oh God. Lord, we acknowledge this morning we need you. We thirst for you. We hunger for you, God. Lord, we thank you for your promise that says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Oh God, we long to be filled with you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Fresh anointing, Lord. Fresh anointing on your strength, Lord. That we would not grow weary in well-doing. For there's a harvest of righteousness coming. There's a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming. I just want to pray for you if you're online, you're watching this morning, or maybe you're watching this in days to come. like you need to stretch your hand forward just a moment I don't care where you're at just stretch your hand and receive from the Lord receive strength receive encouragement don't give up don't lose heart God's purpose remains someone there's someone online or watching and there's a financial business investment situation that has gone badly for you and I hear the Lord saying inquire of me inquire of me ask of me I will give you wisdom ask in faith believing I will give you wisdom 
someone with a loved one who's gone astray. Maybe there's many of you who've got loved ones who've gone astray and it looks hopeless. God says, inquire of me. Inquire of me. Ask me. So Lord, we pray over those who are watching online or listening to this right now in Jesus' name. Pray fresh strength, fresh anointing, fresh vision just be imparted right now in Jesus' name. Pray you'd open the eyes of our hearts to see what is the hope of your calling, to see what is the surpassing greatness of the riches of your inheritance in the saints and the surpassing greatness of your power towards us who believe. Open, the, give revelation this morning, Lord. There's been hopelessness. I pray prophetic revelation and understanding be released in Jesus' name. Thank you for words of knowledge. I thank you for words of wisdom to be released to your people in Jesus' name. The resources of heaven availed to them. Maybe your life is in devastation. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. I want to I ask you today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't delay. God is calling you. Now is the time. Do not delay. You need to surrender your life. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you've gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've chosen our own way. But the Lamb of God was slain for you. The Lamb of God was slain so that you might have forgiveness, that you might have life, that you might have salvation. He has given it. So the Lord would say to you, repent, turn from your way, turn to the Lord, believe, put your trust, your faith, your life in His hands. And He will give you all of His life. Say, Lord, I receive it. I believe in you. I put my faith, my trust in you right now. I turn from my way. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead and, and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I make you Lord of my life from this day forward. I, not my life, but your life. Not my terms, but your terms. God, I'm living and I'm turning to you and to live and to follow after you and be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. No more wavering. No more drifting. I'm choosing you, Jesus. If you prayed that this morning, email us, message us. We want to pray with you and give you materials and help you get established in your life for Christ.